At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to look deeper into 1 Peter, tuning into our current series, Unshakable, Steadfast Hope in an Unpredictable World. Join us as we allow God's Word to shape us and renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. So this week, we're specifically going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, and Peter beginning to elaborate on our responsibility with one another. So here, brothers and sisters, the words of our God. As you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he's chosen and precious. As you come to him, you yourselves are like living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in the cornerstone will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And for those who do not believe, the cornerstone has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's something exciting about watching sports, the intensity of the athletes, the drama of the competition, the pain of losing, the joy of victory. It all draws you in and almost makes you feel like you're a part of the action. So throughout this week, my favorite Major League Baseball team, the Houston Astros, they've been competing in the Major League Baseball playoff and they won earning their fourth consecutive, fourth consecutive American League Championship Series. So take that, haters. <laughs> haters. <laughs> and these games that we won, they were played in the middle of the day, oddly, at like 2.30. So I had to listen to them on the radio in my car as I rode around town or was running errands in the evening. So there I am, driving around town, fist pumping when we hit a home run, yelling when the ump makes a terrible call, hanging my head when the other team scores a run to take the lead. But the moral of the story is, I'm gonna get in a car wreck eventually. (laughs) For this game being played across the country in Los Angeles, this game that I'm watching, I'm just listening to it, but it feels, it so feels Like, I'm a part of the action. You ever been there? You get so sucked into a game. You scream, you cry, you curse, you shout. You get so drawn in that it makes you feel like you're actually a part of the game. But the truth is, we're not. We're just spectators. Despite feeling all that passion and excitement for my teams, I'm not actually a part of the team. The action, the skill, the sacrifice, the effort, it's all taking place on the field. 
on the court, and I'm just watching. I'm just watching. And tragically, church can be viewed in the same way as a spectator sport. People show up to be served, to get our needs met, and then go home and live lives apart from embracing who we are in Christ. Show up and live lives apart from embracing what God has called to do as his people. So let's look back at 1 Peter chapter 2. At this point in the letter, Peter has just given us instruction again on how we are to relate to one another as the people of God. Chapter 1, verse 22, Peter calls on us to love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, at the beginning of chapter 2, the apostle is continuing his focus on our lives together as the people of God. But now, his focus is not so much on how we relate to one another, but on how we minister together and how we carry out God's mission together. And through these first few lines, we're gonna see God calls us to get off the sidelines, to get off the couch and get in the action and recognize your place in the house of God. Recognize your place in the house of God. So look again at verses four and five. The apostle writes, as you come to Christ, him who was a living stone, he was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. As you come to him, you yourselves are like living stones and being built up as a spiritual house. So what these verses assume is that the physical structure of the temple is now no longer necessary for God's purposes for his people. So during the Old Testament, the temple in Jerusalem, it was central to how God's people carried out their relationship with God. They would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem where the temple was there. They would make the animal sacrifices, the burnt offerings, and all the other ceremonies. They were a large part of how God related to his people and how they worshiped him. But with the coming of Christ, all of the sacrifices... And all of the ceremonies have been fulfilled and no longer is necessary the physical temple because the purpose of the temple has been fulfilled with the coming of Christ and the birth of his new covenant people, the church. And Peter here refers to Christ as a living stone. And he says that all of us who have come to Christ by faith, we too are living stones, and as living stones, God is building us up into a spiritual house or spiritual temple. So everyone, Peter says, who comes to Christ is a part of this not physical, but spiritual temple. We each have a place in the house of God. Furthermore, not only does Peter say that we are living stones that make up the spiritual temple, he says also we are the priesthood that carries out the ministry of this spiritual temple. Verse five, Peter says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house in order to be a holy priesthood. And then next, the apostle adds some Old Testament proof that, the building, uh, that, that building this new people and making this new priesthood, it was God's plan all along. And so he quotes in verse six, the prophet Isaiah from chapter 28, verse 16 of Isaiah's prophecy. So Peter writes, 
For it stands in Scripture, and then the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in the cornerstone will never be put to shame. So this honor is for you who believe, Peter then says. So Peter says that this has been God's plan all along, that he would lay a new chosen and precious cornerstone in Zion upon which his people would be built. And that promise came true in Christ. And now God is building upon the living stone, the cornerstone. He's building the new covenant people of God, the church. And he says in verse seven, this honor, in other words, the honor of being a part of the spiritual household, and the honor of being a part of those who serve as priests. This honor is for you who believe. So there's not a special class of believers who are a part of the spiritual temple and who serve as priests, and then also a lower class of believers who aren't a part of the temple and who don't serve as priests. He says, you who believe have this honor, and all and any who believe have this honor. You are a part of God's house as a living stone and you are a part of God's ministry as a member of his holy priesthood. In 2016, the Cleveland Cavaliers won their first ever NBA championship. And the chosen one, the king, LeBron James, he finally fulfilled the promise of his youth and brought victory to his hometown. And as is always the case when a professional team wins their league championship, each member of the team gets a big championship ring. And it was no different for the Cavs. Each player got this huge, gaudy, diamond-studded ring commemorating their victory and their place on the team. However, team owner Dan Gilbert did one thing different after their win. He not only purchased a championship ring for the players and the coaches, as is normal procedure. He also purchased rings for the over 1,000 other employees of the Cavalier franchise, including stadium security guards and hot dog vendors and ticket takers and the janitorial staff. Every member of the team, not just the elite athletes on the court, everyone who played a part received the honor of a ring for their place in the organization. The apostle says it's the same thing for our place amongst God's people. Everyone who believes in Christ, everyone who trusts in Christ as Savior receives the honor of being a part of this spiritual household, of being a part of this holy priesthood. Christian, recognize your place in the house of God. Recognize the great honor God has given you to serve him and play a part in his mission in the world. What does it mean for us to be a priest for God, though? It may be very foreign to some of you. Well, Peter tells us in these same verses what it means and what we are to do as priests of God. He says in verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood in order to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. 
That's our role as priests in the house of God, to offer spiritual sacrifices. And an important follow-up question, what are these spiritual sacrifices that we are to make? Well, Peter doesn't flesh this out in the immediate context, but I think we can say that the spiritual sacrifices we are to offer to God are everything we do by the Holy Spirit. So we don't make grain offerings anymore as they did during the Old Testament, nor do we make animal sacrifices as God's people did in the Old Testament. But we do make spiritual sacrifices by offering to God our spirit-empowered lives. So earlier in chapter one, verse 16 of this letter, Peter instructs us to be holy in all of our conduct. In other words, everything we do, All of our lives are to be set apart as holy to God. No part of our life does not matter to God. And so we should hold nothing back in offering everything we are to him as spiritual sacrifice. In other words, we're called to get off the sideline, get off the couch, and get into the action of fulfilling God's mission in the world. And we do that by offering, by sacrificing everything every part of ourself to him. Our time, our talents, our resources, our relationships, our minds, our bodies, it all belongs to him. We sacrifice it all to him in order to play our part in the house of God and to fulfill the mission of God. And so we must ask ourselves, what are you holding back? What part of your life are you not willing to sacrifice to him? What area of your life are you not willing to open up to let the Holy Spirit have his way? Church, recognize your place in the house of God. You are a part of God's holy priesthood. You have this great honor, this noble calling, and we're called to sacrifice all of ourselves by the Spirit to him. Recognize your place in the house of God. Well, as Peter continues in these next couple of verses, he does so by way of warning. You see, there was a special people who also had a privileged place in God's plan of redemption. The nation of Israel, the Jews, they experienced God's mighty redemption from Egypt through the Exodus. They received God's law at Mount Sinai through Moses. They oversaw the construction of the temple through David and Solomon. They heard the promises announced through the prophets. The Jews had many advantages when it came to knowing God and understanding his plan of redemption. They had an incredible honor in their role in God's purposes. And yet, when the Jewish Messiah came, When the promised Christ came, when the living stone, the cornerstone came, the ultimate lesson the Jews have to teach us is don't stumble over the word of God. Don't stumble over the word of God. So listen to how Peter puts this in verses seven through eight. He says, so this honor of being God's new covenant people, this honor is for you who believe, but... For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected 
has become the cornerstone. And the cornerstone has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So Peter here quotes Psalm 118, verse 22, and he quotes Isaiah again, this time chapter eight, verse 14. He quotes these two Old Testament passages to show that the same stone who is the cornerstone of God's new covenant people is also a stone of stumbling for those who don't believe. Though by God's grace, many have come to Christ for salvation, there are also many who reject him and are offended by him. And the apostle has already hinted at this truth in the first verse of this section. So going back to verse four, he starts out this whole section by saying, as you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. So there are some who count Christ chosen and precious. Some who are being built upon him into a spiritual house. Some who have received the honor of serving him as a member of this holy priesthood. And there are others who reject him. Others who stumble over him, who take offense at him. This makes me think of the line, one man's trash is another man's treasure. This slogan is the motivating force behind activities such as dumpster diving, garage sales, and flea markets. The owners of certain items may be just days away from sending their things to the trash heap, but there are other people who will give their money for these same items. So this highlights the truth that different people place different value on the same objects. And it's the same way when it comes to the person of Christ and the message of the gospel. Some are drawn to him in repentant faith and others are repelled by him, taking offense at his word and his ways. Many are offended that Jesus insists he is the way, the truth, the life, and the only way to the Father. John 14, 6. Man, that sounds so exclusive, some say. And there are many who are repulsed when Jesus says, no one will see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be born again. John chapter three, verse three. When I heard that verse as an unconverted 19-year-old, it stopped me in my tracks. Man, that seems so drastic, so extreme. Many are offended when Jesus commands that we repent. I mentioned this to you guys a few times. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. The first word that comes out of Jesus' mouth when his ministry starts is repent. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, right before that, the very end of Matthew chapter three at Jesus' baptism, there's a quick exchange that Jesus has this one line to John the Baptist. But right after that, really his first word when his ministry starts is to every one of his hearers and he demands they repent. Turn from your life of sin and pledge your allegiance to me. 
Many are offended when they hear this command. When he tells us to take up our cross, when he tells us to deny our self, to deny our preferences, to deny our desires, to deny our dreams, that we die to self and live to others? Doesn't sound like the American dream to me. Many are put off by the idea that we're lost. We're guilty, we're broken, we're in need of a savior. We are in need of a substitute to bear the judgment of God on our behalf. Are you kidding me? I'm a good person. Many are offended. And so you see how they reject the cornerstone. The living stone is also a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Church, we never want to be the cause of offense to any outsider. We want to love them. We want to serve them. We want to care for them. We want to open our doors as wide as possible. We want to be as unoffensive as we can possibly be. But eventually, there is a point where we have to share offensive truth and own up to the fact that the cornerstone, the living stone, the one we love, is also a stone of stumbling. And eventually, we have to be honest about that. The gospel, the message of Christ, includes some hard truths to swallow, some humbling truths that we gotta face. But this hard truth, this offensive truth, is what we need the gospel call to repentance, the gospel call to self-denial, the gospel call to embrace the cross, it is not easy, but it is good. Don't stumble over the word of God. Let's soften our hearts. Let's humble ourselves. Let's be honest about our depravity. Let's be honest about our brokenness. And let's build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ. Build your life on the cornerstone of Christ. He is chosen and precious in the sight of God, and upon him we are being built into a spiritual household. In him we have this great honor, this great purpose in life of serving among his holy priesthood. You saw that there at the end of verse 8. The apostle says that those who take offense at Christ, they stumble because they disobey the word, which is what they were destined to do. But church, God has destined us for something different. God has destined us for something better. As Peter referred to us earlier in the chapter, we are God's obedient children. He has destined us to live with him as our father. He has set us on a path to walk in obedience. He has put us on a foundation that is unshakable church. Let's embrace what's ours. Jesus, the living stone, the cornerstone, the chosen one, the precious one, the honor of being a part of his household, the honor of sharing in this great purpose of serving in his holy priesthood. Let's build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.
Church, let's stand as we prepare to respond to God's word through song. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful this morning that you have bestowed upon us this great privilege of being a part of the household of God, a spiritual household where your Holy Spirit dwells. And God, we are expectant that you will continue to build your church, living stone after living stone after living stone. God, may it be so that you would add to your church, that you would build us until he comes. God, may we build our lives on the cornerstone of Christ. And so in each one of our hearts, God, humble us. Identify those areas, Lord, where we need to hear hard truth, where we need to be honest with ourselves, honest with your word, and come before you with humble repentance, humble faith. Lord, make us that kind of people. May we never stumble over the word of God, but may we prize the living stone. May we count him precious, him who is the cornerstone. God, thank you for your son. Thank you for this great people to be a part of, the church. Thank you for this great purpose to have in the world, serving you. God, help us to give all of our lives, even as we lift our voices now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.